And thank God once again, this is Pastor Adams, president and founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for giving us the privilege to meet you in your homes, maybe you're in your automobile, maybe you're in your place of work or residence, but wherever you are, we're just so thankful and delighted that you've given us the privilege to share with you around the Word of God. And we've been in an episode entitled, The Watchtower, Full of Darkness. And during this episode, our intent and our desire is to be able to shed light uh, on the darkness of the watchtower so that those who have been entangled and those who have been taken captive by this very capricious and very carcinogenic theology can be rescued, that they might be able to recover themselves out of the web and the knot of deception. And before we get into our teaching today, we want to just pause and pray. Father, you know our hearts, you know our desire, you know our love for those who are members of the Watchtower. We see their zeal. We see so many who are earnest and who are sincere and who desire to know you as their Savior. You know their hearts. But Lord, we thank you today that you've told us in your word in 1 Peter 3.15, you said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth within you with humility and with reverence. And our desire is to be humble and to be reverent and sensitive to those who are thirsty and who are searching for answers. Let someone hear your word. Let them receive your word as they desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Let your word fall upon their hearts that it might bring forth life and life everlasting. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're so thankful for the words that were spoken by Blaise Pascal. He said, truth is so obscure in these days. And he said, falsehoods are so established. He said, unless that we love the truth, we can't even know the truth. Adam Schiff, when giving final remarks during the infamous Donald Trump impeachment hearings, he said, right matters. Truth matters. And without truth, we're lost. And today our desire in this Truth Matters podcast is to deliver the truth so that people can find themselves in Christ Jesus. And we're so thankful for all of our partners in Singapore, those who are in Australia, Ghana, Puerto Rico, Philippines, all throughout the Netherlands, New Zealand, Ireland, and Canada, and these United States. We thank God for you. and We thank you for tuning in. And we're going to continue in our teaching and expositions on the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. And we're going to shine the light that the Watchtower has hidden to all of its members. In Colossians 2 and 9, it reveals that all the fullness of the Godhead or the deity or all that God is dwells in bodily form. This is conclusive evidence from the scriptures that deity or all of God was in Christ. The New World Translation changed that verse to read this way. All the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. That's it. That's all they said. Very obscure, very low-key, no big deal. It appears to be a camouflage presentation of the real 
deity of Christ that's revealed in scripture. Let's look at Hebrews 1 and 6. Turn there. I believe the truth will set you free today. Hebrews 1 and 6 describes where God said, let all the angels of God worship him. Who? Jesus. You're telling me, Pastor Adams, that Hebrews 1 and 6, that God the Father says, let all the angels worship Jesus? The Watchtower never told me that. And the reason is the Watchtower has been evasive in their exegesis. For the 1961 and the 1970 editions of the New World Translation says, Worship Him, Jesus. Hmm. How did that get through? Somehow this truth temporarily escaped the censor's knife. The later editions, they read this way. Do obeisance to him. Well, what's the reason and what's the difference between obeisance or worship him? See, the Greek word for worship is prokonuo. This is the same word that's revealed and utilized in Revelation 22, 8 and 9, where once again an angel says prokonuo or worship God. It means worship. And it means worship in Revelation 22 and 9. And if you read it in Revelation 29, then it's worship in Hebrews 1 and 6 as well. And it's also the same word for worship in Matthew 28, 17. It's worship in Revelation 22 and 9. It's worship in Hebrews 1 and 6. It's worship in 28 and 17, not obeisance. See, if the watchtower was honest, they would render them all worship or they would render them all obeisance. But since they accept worship for the Father in Revelation 22 and 9, and they reject worship for Jesus, they change the words to fit their own organizational doctrines. Once again, W.E. Vine in his Expository Dictionary of the Greek Works explains the term obeisance. This is what he says. Obeisance is only used in scripture when referring to God. I didn't catch that, W.E. Vine. Say that again. Yes, obeisance is only used in scripture when referring to God. The watchtower, by using terminological sleight of hand, tried to avoid this truth, hoping that Jehovah's Witnesses would not test them and find out that obeisance really meant worship. See, Jesus was worshipped, and he was also called true God in Scripture. They have not told the Jehovah Witnesses that trusted to interpret the Bible for them this truth. The Father told angels to worship the Son. The angel in Revelation 22 and 9 said, I am a servant just like you, John. Only God can be worshipped, unless once again the truth confirms that Jesus is true God who is worthy of worship. Let's look at Acts 10 and 25 as a corollary between uh, what we've read in Hebrews 1 and 6. What does it say? It records where Cornelius worshiped Peter. But since it was improper to worship anyone but God, Peter rebuked Cornelius and he corrected him. Read it for yourself. 
Now when you turn to Matthew 28 and 17, it mentions the disciples worship Christ. Did he rebuke them like Peter did because he wasn't God? No. He accepted it. If Jesus Christ was not God, and we know that only God is to be worshipped, and as W. Evine just says, worship is only used, and the word obeisance is only used when referring to God, then Jesus Christ was wrong to accept worship unless he was God. And since he was God, it was proper. And Jesus accepted it because he was true God. John 9 and 38 reveals that when Jesus asked the son, he asked the son healed of blindness, if he believed on the son of God, God the son, and the son worshiped Jesus, Jesus again accepted it. Why? Because he was true God. Let's take a look at what happened in the wilderness during the temptation of Christ. We find it in Luke 4 and 7. It speaks of Christ during his temptation and his duel with Satan. Satan asked Christ to worship him. Jesus referred to the passage that's written in Deuteronomy 6 and 13 when he says, Only Jehovah should we fear or reverence or serve or worship. Deuteronomy 10 and 20 reaffirms this truth. So the dilemma that the watchtower faces is Christ who did the perfect will of the Father said, only Jehovah can receive worship. Y'all got that? Jesus said, only God or Jehovah can receive worship. And Jesus never lied. But Jesus accepted worship. Hmm. Then the Father commands angels to worship Jesus. The Father said, honor the Son even as you honor the Father in John 5 and 23. See, we have major contradiction or we have another confirmation by the scriptures that Jesus is true God. You all ready for this? Turn back to Hebrews 1 and 6. And then just go down two more verses and look at the eighth verse. What does it say there? See, Hebrews 1 and 8 thunders out a truth that presides that really provides empirical evidence that Jesus is God. Thank God that the New World Translation Committee overlooked this one. Why? Because even if you look at the New World Translation, it reads, but with reference to the Son, God is your throne forever. There's no ambiguity here. Even the Watchtower in its own translation confirms that the Father calls the Son God. Now, any rational, unbiased inquirer can see that there is a mountain of evidence in Scripture that proves that Jesus is deity, that he's also eternal, that he's worshipped, that he is called God. He's called eternal life. Although the Watchtower presents Christ as an aleatory, in an aleatory fashion, the society is wrong in their demotion of Christ. And Jesus says, if you don't believe that I am he, you're going to die in your sins. You see, this is not a peripheral or cursory statement. Our eternal destinies hinge on our belief that Jesus was God in human form. 
That's the reason why we're making it a big deal. That's why we spent so much time going through all of these texts with you. Because the Bible says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And the biblical principle of scriptural synergy must be followed. And there are some texts that the Watchtower utilizes to support their view that Jesus is subordinate to Jehovah. And we're going to exegete some of them. One of them that you hear is St. John 14 and 28, where it says, My Father is greater than I. And those who are members of the Watchtower, this is one of their favorite Watchtower texts. It's a part of their playbook. And see, when they're attempting to refute the Trinity or the Athanasius Creed, the Watchtower is taught that this verse proves that Jehovah is greater or superior to Christ. However, when you read Philippians 2, verse 6 through 7, it must be remembered that while on earth, Jesus did not grasp after or choose to operate in his deity or his equality with God. But instead, he willingly humbled himself and made no reputation of himself, taking on the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. See, the passage does not teach that Christ was not deity. He just didn't elect to operate in it for the greater need of redeeming sinful mankind. Because of that fact, Jesus' name is defined as being above all names. Because it says, all shall bow and all shall confess that at the name of Jesus Christ, men will be saved. And salvation can only be obtained by that name. Jesus humbled himself and is exalted above I, above all. That's why Jesus could pray to the Father, submit to his will, call the Father God. That's why Jesus, acting as a man, had to sleep. He had to eat. He even went to the bathroom. He had human emotions and frailties. He felt lonely, had despairs and disappointments. He wept. He had human inclinations and limitations. He asked questions. He didn't know the time of the end of the world. Didn't even know how many fish and bread were available to feed the 5,000. Jesus didn't operate in his omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence when he was robed in the flesh. The incarnation was the act of God identifying with man. God, the word humbled himself, came to the earth and lived the perfect life that no other man could live. He shed his blood for our redemption. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man, becoming our high priest, touched with the filling of our infirmities. Although not an exact analogy, we can see this truth somewhat portrayed in the comic character Superman. What do you mean, Pastor Adams? Well, Superman had enormous power before he came to the earth and he took on the personality in the name of Clark Kent. He acted like a passive and humble common man working at the Daily Planet every day. Although he was Superman, he humbled himself and he operated as Clark Kent, but he never stopped being Superman. See, the Watchtower has taught these truths that Jesus was also made lower. My point is the Watchtower has not taught these truths that Jesus was made lower than the angels while on the earth, according to Hebrews 2 and 9, in order to redeem mankind. But we also know that while on the earth, angels ministered to him and were under his control. The point is, Jesus could rightly say while on the earth, operating as a humble servant, my father is greater than I. Why? For the term greater is descriptive of position. Learn this truth. Positionally, 
the Father was greater than Christ during his earth walk. Listen and learn. Jesus never said, my Father is better than I. For the term better is descriptive of nature, essence, or substance. Jesus will again subject himself to the Father after completing his redemptive work, which he's, which he's done on the earth, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 24, and 28. Jesus, the Word, will rule with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They are currently in harmony, having positioned themselves as eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, most Jehovah's Witnesses don't realize the major revisions the Watchtowers made over the years. Charles Taze Russell, who was the founder of the Society back in 1880, approved the worship of Jesus Christ. In an article, Russell also approved prayers to Jesus Christ. The Watchtower in July 1898, under the section Interesting Queries, it reads this way. Question. The fact that our Lord received worship is claimed by some to be evidence that while on the earth he was God the Father, disguised in human body of flesh and was not really just a man. Was he really worshipped or is it translated faulty? Answer. Yes, we believe our Lord Jesus while on the earth was really worshipped and properly so. So we find that the Watchtower back in 1880 did approve in the worship of Jesus Christ. But what has happened is over time, the Watchtower has sabotaged and they've changed so many texts to try to destroy and take away the reality that Jesus Christ was God in human form. Let's take a look and see what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit being God. We've established the fact that the Father is God and that Jesus is God. But what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit being God? It says in uh just as in Hebrews 1 and 8, when the Father calls Jesus God, Jehovah Witnesses were never taught that the Bible directly calls the Holy Spirit God. Well, where is that found? It's found in Acts 5, verse 3 and 4. It says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Peter says in verse 4, You have not lied to men, but to God. Who did Ananias lie to? He lied to the Holy Spirit. Who did Peter explain Ananias lied to? He lied to God. See, Peter could have said, you lied to Jehovah's active force. But Peter knew that God was the Holy Spirit. Let's read John 4 and 24. It reminds us that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We have a question for the Watchtower. Is God holy? Is God a spirit? So since we know both of those answers are yes, so wouldn't it be permissible to call God holy spirit? Let's look at Romans 8 and 5. It commands us to seek things that gratify the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9, and 10 speaks that the Holy Spirit being the Spirit of Christ living in us as Christ dwells in us, putting the Holy Spirit on the same functional level as Christ. Romans 8 and 11 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. 
that is God who raised Jesus. So verse 9, he is called the Spirit of Christ. We see again that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are harmoniously the one God. Romans 8 and 16 is called the Holy Spirit Him. Him? Yeah. See, this destroys the active force theory that we find within the New World Translation and the Awake in the Watchtower Bible and Track Society magazines. Romans 8, 26 and 27 teaches us that the Holy Spirit has attributes of personality. How is that? He bears. He prays. He intercedes. He pleads. He yearns. He commands. He's grieved. He testifies. He also has a mind. Now, no sincere Jehovah Witness can read these passages and conclude that the Holy Spirit is just an active force, like some power that comes out of a plug that you plug your phone into. The only reason that you even entertain the thought that the Holy Spirit is just a force is because you've been indoctrinated by the slanted distortions of Watchtower theology. 1 Corinthians 12 explains that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts as He wills. So the Holy Spirit is a He and that the Holy Spirit distributes gifts? I thought God distributed gifts. John 14 and 17 and uh, chapter 16 and 13 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. 1 John 5 and 6 and 7 reads, And it is the Holy Spirit who bears witness, because the Holy Spirit is the truth. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jeremiah 4 and 2 proclaims that God lives or is truth. See, the Trinity is seen here again. For all are called the truth. The Spirit has been granted the awesome mission of leading and directing and empowering the, dyna the dynamic organism called the Church of Jesus Christ until it returns to, re to reign eternally. The Holy Spirit is a person called God in Scripture. You may find the force in a Star Wars movie, but you sure won't find the force in Holy Scripture. The proposition was raised. If we can demonstrate from the Scriptures that the Father is called God, and the scriptures taught that Jesus was indeed God and the Holy Spirit had attributes of and was called God. Would the follower of the watchtower acknowledge that the watchtower was incorrect in this area? And we at Truth Matters know it's difficult to do when you've been convinced it was God's organization on the earth. But this is a critical and crucial decision. You have eyes. What do you really see? We see an interesting fact concerning the Trinity in John 2, 19 and 22. Jesus said, If the temple was destroyed, he would raise it up in three days. The Jews thought he was speaking of the building, that temple that was in Jerusalem. But he explained he was talking about the temple of his body. And they remembered that Jesus promised that when he was risen from the dead. So we must accept the fact that Jesus raised himself from the dead. Romans 8 and 11 indicates the person of the Holy Spirit is what raised Jesus from the grave. And in Romans 10 and 9, it claims that God raised 
Jesus from the dead or the Father raised Jesus from the dead. We have a major contradiction or it actually is true. They all did it for all three are the one God. We had read in Matthew and Luke 4 where Jesus says only God is to be worshiped. And then the father in Hebrews 1 and 8 said, let all the angels worship Jesus. And then Jesus accepted worship. In, 28, in Matthew 28, 19, it reads in the American Standard Version, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is highly revealing that the name is singular in the Greek, indicating there is one God. But there are three distinct persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Listen and live. Theologian Robert Raymond, he draws our attention to this verse in the doctrine of the Trinity. One, Jesus does not say into the names, plural, of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, or what is virtually equivalent Two, in the name of the Father, and into the name of the Son, and into the name of the Holy Spirit, as if we had to deal with three separate beings. Nor does he say, three, into, into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, omitting the three recurring articles, as if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit might be taken to be merely three designations of a single person. What he does say is this, into the name singular of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, first asserting the unity of the three by combining them all within the bounds of a single name and then throwing into emphasis the distinctness of each by introducing them in turn with the repeated article. Matthew 3 says something that is so important. It reveals that at the Jordan baptism, Jesus was in the water. The Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and the Father spoke from heaven, all three working together in the Godhead at the baptism. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, we see the triune benediction to the letter, including the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with them all. The Trinity is not easy to comprehend as many verses are not easy to understand. The temporal finite mind will never clearly comprehend the eternal infinite mind and purposes of God. But the Christian's task is not to discard or to alter what is difficult. We are tasked to study and rightly divide the word of truth. 1 Corinthians 13 and 12 tempers us in that. We see now through a glass darkly. When we see him face to face, we will see the mystery clearly. We are all commanded to believe what is revealed. And as we end our podcast today, remember this, 
God is not one plus one plus one equals three. But he's triplex. One times one times one equals one. God is composite oneness. We find that scripture reveals there are three who's and one what. He is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. All three possess these qualities in scripture. And let's look at another proposition. Is it possible for God to hear all of our prayers simultaneously? Yes. Can God be in heaven and in Chicago simultaneously? Of course. Can God appear as a man on earth and still be eternal God in heaven? Can God be holy in spirit? The answer to all those questions is yes. We have shown by the scriptures God did just that. Arius of Alexander denied it back in 325 AD and the watchtower denies it today. And today we just pray that those of you who are members of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society and those of you who are born again Christians who have loved ones and friends and neighbors who are members of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society that you would absorb and commit all of the text and the things that we've examined during this exposition that you might be able to share the word that you might be able to shine the light of God's gospel concerning who Jesus Christ is and what he did on Calvary for their sins. Because if they don't believe that Jesus Christ is eternal God, they will die in their sins. God bless you and God be with you as you share his truth. In Jesus' name, amen.